This aberration, whose only means of expression are wanton violence and destruction. that within every normal system there exists an aberration, something different. This weird aberration society. Welcome back to Mutual Aberration Society. Uh, today, um, I'm going to be talking about um, a film by the name of Cat Sick Blues. Uh, now, this is a film that I actually... Uh, talked about on a previous podcast um that i had but um the reason i wanted to have another episode about this movie is because one i do feel like it is one of those movies that uh doesn't get talked about enough and i don't think it's still relatively um known in a small circles right in, in in small circles uh but two, I have on a guest uh, to talk about this movie, and that guest is the director of uh, Cat Sick Blues, uh, Dave Jackson. So, Dave, uh, first, uh, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, I live in Japan, so I just got back from a holiday in Australia. So I'm still feeling a bit... Uh, disoriented but yeah i'm okay <laughs> and we're gonna get into you being in japan and being from australia uh but first uh what i like to do is i don't really like to give you know uh introductions as much as i like the guests to so uh dave jackson um in your own words uh tell people who you are <laughs> <laughs> um oh it's very very hard i think i'm just someone who uh makes films as a hobby so it's not mm -hmm. something i consider my job or anything but uh yeah i guess the people that do know of me would know me best for catstick blues um but yeah but these days i live in japan and i uh, just for a hobby i mostly make like music videos and short films mm -hmm. and yeah hoping to do another feature uh next year as well so yeah <laughs> are you gonna be shooting in japan Oh, are you gonna I hope so. Yeah, it's a yeah. I I really want to. I I've filmed one short film here, mm -hmm. uh, which was a, an interesting experience. But this is a much um, yeah bigger project. So I've been working on it for quite a number of years now, and just trying to get the money together to make it. But yeah, really hoping uh, to do it next year. Actually, right after this interview, I'll be back to work on the script again. So, yeah. Okay, that's dope. Is it going to be a uh, horror again? It is, yeah. Awesome. Horror. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I want to bring up is that you were also, not only uh, are you a director of Catsick Blues, but you're also uh, a podcast host. Uh, Just very recently. Yeah, uh, yeah a co-host <laughs> of uh, Show Me Something Wrong, which it's only two episodes in, but it is jump to sort of the top of my favorites already oh nice thank yeah, you yeah um and honestly you know um a little bit about mutual aberration society it's kind of funny because the conceit of your podcast that you do with your with your co-host is uh 
one of you says, watch, the, look, each each episode, you, you trade back and forth, but one person mm. suggests a movie like that yeah. he want, he wants the other to watch. And then you come back and you talk about it. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, and like the title says, it's like, show me something wrong. So it's usually a movie uh, that has uh, something yeah. wrong with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty cat sick blues like uh, <laughs> movie. Um, and a thing about my podcast is I typically. Um, I usually have like four or five choices that I give my guests. Right. And I'll be like, yo, you can watch this movie, that movie, this movie, whatever um, to talk about. Right. Um, unless the guest uh, has made something um, mm. that I feel is one of those, uh, for lack of a better word, aberrations, um, which mm. I feel like Cat Sick Blues falls into that category. Um, I had a guest, Richard Stringham, who who made a film, a friend of mine who made a film called uh, Close Calls. And I had him on because I feel like, again, Close Calls was one of those types of movies too. That's like, you know, what? And then I had a, a writer um, to talk about his novel um, called Peckerwood. It was Jedediah Ayers, which again, um, is one of those novels that I feel like it's not only wild in terms of, you know, its content or, or you know, I don't even think that's a good word to describe. I hate that word, by the way, uh, but uh, in terms of its subject matter, um, I feel like it, it was it was definitely a more out there book, but in an awesome way, in the best way. And 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 ultimately, um, a major one of the major reasons I do this podcast is is to sort of use one piece of art to sort of springboard to talk about pretty much any and everything under the sun. Mm. So uh, that being said, cat sick blues. <laughs> um, to give people a sense of what it is i'm going to go ahead and read uh the synopsis off of letterbox because letterbox always has fun synopsis <laughs> uh let me know what you think of the synopsis dave after i read this okay yeah, so you probably wrote it right right <laughs> probably um, <laughs> i'm not sure okay so it says all he needs is nine lives when ted's beloved cat dies the trauma triggers a terrible mental breakdown his broken brain prompts him to bring his feline friend back. All he needs is nine human lives. Ted dons vicious, deadly cat claw gloves and a creepy cat mask and goes on a murderous rampage. As the butchery escalates, a twisted romance blossoms between Ted and Claire, a young woman who has also recently lost her cat in a horrifying incident. That's a pretty good, uh, fairly good synopsis. Um, fairly accurate. Think, uh, yeah, I think we wrote, that's the same one we used for the press releases so i think it was either i wrote that or matt the the lead actor wrote it i can't remember but yeah one of us did that <laughs> write that at some point that's it's, an old one i will say this it does it's, it's a decent synopsis but it there's one glaring omission one yeah. they cat, yeah. you say cat gloves and a mask and you leave out the cat dildo so yeah. <laughs> I think, I that's think we can include that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. I understand. I understand. Um, so where to begin with this movie? Oh, man. Um, for people that haven't seen Cat Six, Cat Sick Blues, um, I think a good way to describe this movie um, is. Hmm, it's a it's hard not, one. It's, it's, it's not quite <laughs> it's not quite a slasher movie. Right. Um, I feel like. It has those elements, right? It also kind of has some giallo elements, right? Um, and it's and, and it's ironic that 
and we can get into this a little bit, Dave. Uh, it's ironic that you're in Japan because I do feel that this film has a lot of Japanese film influence. Um, mm. Now, tell me that if I'm wrong, you know what I mean? Uh, let me know. But and I say that to say um, I have a tendency to watch a lot of a lot of stuff out of Japan. Um, and maybe that's because I'm American um, and sort of I feel like I've said this before to other guests that like there's this aspect of Japan that is so like literally foreign, but foreign in another way, almost alien um, in terms of sort of the way they approach film, like mm. uh, at least from a from someone who's inundated with sort of uh, American cinema right um when you first sure. encounter when you first encounter uh japanese film it's like yo what the fuck is this you know like one of my favorite uh filmmakers is uh shinya sukamoto right uh, he, he actually is my favorite japanese <laughs> filmmaker yeah <laughs> so he does and i knew i had a re- there's a reason why i brought you on here dad <laughs> uh uh but i feel like katsik blues uh has a lot of s- similar sort of uh sensibilities right where it's like it's one of these movies that like yeah it's about a guy who's killing people in a cat mask uh with a giant uh cat penis um and and razor sharp claws uh with the hopes of killing claiming nine victims and using their blood to sort of uh resurrect his dead cat um (laughs) that is what the movie's about but it's so much more it touches on so much uh, so many things. And, I, and I'm going to let you talk, but I'm going to ask you this question, which is, um, what were you trying to get at with this movie? Um, and if you don't know, um, that's fine, because I feel like that's a that's an actual honest answer, because I feel like art, because a big a big a big aspect of this this podcast is about art and artists. And I'm always of the thinking that an artist never quite understands fully what it is they're trying to say they have a a notion or sort of an idea but they don't but yeah Mm. so basically dave what is wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think um yeah that's a good point you make like i it especially now it's been uh you know seven years since we shot the movie Mm. and 10 years since I first started thinking about the movie. So even casting my mind back to then, I have to think about what I was thinking at that time when I was writing it and making it. But, you know, there's definitely a lot of, <laughs> you know, there were a lot of things I was thinking and wanted to express when I made it, but um, yeah, not a specific thing I was trying to say. Uh, I think it's just more, you know, an expression of, the you know the way I f- felt for one about having uh, pets when I was a kid that's like a strong part of it so it's like bringing that part out um, and you know a lot of it was how I was feeling about the world at that time so a lot of the kind of uh, you know kind of intense like cruelty of that film like social media yeah stuff like that like that kind of um, aspect of it I was really feeling distressed about at the time that I wrote it. So there are all those things that were there, but I don't think I deliberately was setting out to say a specific thing. Mm. And it's interesting, you mentioned slashes, because I I grew up watching slashes. Like I love 
the i know that they're all mostly total shit but i love like all the jason movies um you know i love slashes so much and i love giallo as well so i think a lot of that film was kind of me making the kind of film or like elements of films that i would have loved as a teenager as well so it was sort of a a gift my like teenage self especially like um the kind of bigger crazier violent scenes so yeah i don't know i didn't set out to I think you're right. I don't think anyone really knows exactly what they're trying to say deeply. Like you can have an idea in your head, but you know, who knows, who knows how it actually comes out. Like it's just a melting pot of, of ideas basically. And this is what's interesting. I, this is why I'm interested to see what you do next uh, is because this is something that I've figured out from my own sort of personal creativity and stuff that I've done. So one of the first things that I ever, one of the first scripts that I ever wrote, that ended up sort of like kickstarting sort of my sort of, if you want to call it a career in screenwriting. (laughs) Well, it's the thing that got me a manager in LA. um, And it's the thing that sort of got me into rooms and got me started to make a little money. And it was a script called Fix. And it was like almost a slasher in and of itself. Like, um, but the funny thing about that is that like, I feel like every script, every, every script, everything that I wrote is I'm keep telling the same story, like regardless of if it's completely different or regardless if the plot mechanics are different, regardless if like uh, the characters, whatever, completely different. It's all, it feels like I'm always telling the same story, even, Mm. even when I'm consciously not right. Mm. Like, and I feel like that, and that goes to like every artist. And I'm pretty sure, you know, like your favorite sort of filmmakers, your favorite sort of writers, creatives, like, there's this, always this through line that exists in all of their work. Like, mm-hmm. it's like something that no matter how much you try to diverge from it, it's always there. So I'm super interested in seeing like, okay, what, how the fuck is Dave's next movie going to be uh, like yeah. Cat Sick Blues? You know what I mean? Because it's like one of those things that like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've written n- numerous things since. And like, every time I go back, I'm like, shit, it's like the same thing. Like, yeah. it's, Completely different, I, but it's the same thing. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's definitely true. And I, I think the, you know, the short film I made a few years ago has a lot of similar kind of themes, even without it, you know, being a deliberate thing to Cat Sick Blues. And yeah, the the new film, it, it is like, in a sense, totally different, as you say, different characters, different country, um, very different kind of setting. But there's definitely aspects of it that, uh, the same kind of thing as, as Cat Sick Blues, even though it's, you know, years and years after after that. But yeah, I think that just naturally happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. uh, now, on the subject of Japan again, um, how did you end up in Japan? Being that you're from Australia, uh, mm. how did you end up in Japan? <laughs> um, yeah, like, I didn't, yeah, even though as you said before Shinya Sukumoto, one of my favorite filmmakers, Takeshi Miike is mm-hmm. like one of my favorite filmmakers yes. too. Not so much these days, but yeah. um in the early 2000s Like Go- Gozu is Gozu. Like Literally, probably... I have I have an episode that I'm supposed to record uh, about Gozu uh, with somebody. <laughs> yeah. Um which Go- is Gozu is, is probably <laughs> the most direct influence on Katzik Blues in terms of tone and yeah. uh stuff like that. So yeah, I, I love his work as well. But um, I didn't really have that much interest in Japan per se, other outside of like films. But um, 
uh, like I started, so my, my partner is kind of complicated, but my partner is technically Japanese. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was uh, born in Japan, but then moved to Australia when she was really young. Um, so her, she actually sounds more Australian than I do. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, when we, when we were first uh, going out, um, her sister uh, was going to get married in Tokyo and yeah my partner was like oh do you want to come along I'm like yeah all right fine I've never been to Japan should be interesting and that first trip to Japan like yeah it was like 10 more than 10 years ago now it completely like blew my mind like I, I just couldn't believe what a completely as you say alien kind of place it is I know that's kind of like a little bit offensive in a way right to say because like, it is just like yeah. so but it is yeah. so incredibly different and and fascinating um and yeah so and i just love it like the lifestyle here is incredible and yeah we went back a few times after that and i i just kept saying i really want to just move there and um yeah my partner kind of was like all right yeah fine but i don't want to live in tokyo so we ended up moving to osaka and yeah, Osaka is just the best city I've, I've ever been in. It's just fantastic. Don't really want to ever leave here. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've been here for six years now. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one of those. It's one of those places that I definitely, you know, have has been on sort of my list to visit for a long time. Mm. Um, for sort of the it's reasons you stated. Where, yeah, it, it's like it's weird with Osaka. It's a sort of place where you when you first come here I, I think as a tourist you might come here and be like this place is not that interesting mm -hmm. but once you sort of spend some more time you kind of dig into the the more like deeper parts of, of this this city it, it's just like unbelievable it's like the yeah it's a truly fascinating place so are you into uh Ryu Murakami <laughs> uh oh, the guy who wrote audition yeah he wrote audition yeah. uh coin locker babies uh in the misu soup in the misu That's, yeah yeah i've i've yeah. read that book by him and i watched actually recently he has I a movie a, yeah. yeah what's his movie is it tokyo decadence tokyo that... decadence yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that was yeah. that was really great as well yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. yeah i i've i've only read yeah, I think one of his books and, and seen that movie. But yeah, that movie was was awesome, actually. It was really yeah, great. yeah. I, I think Ryu, Ryu Murakami is one of those, again, one of those people who I'm just like, like, it's just funny because I know that like his books are tra obviously translated from Japanese, right? And I understand that like, um, one of the things that's funny is like, I look at like, his books are relatively short, except for like Corn Locker Babies, I guess. But but when you look at the uh, the version, the Japanese versions, they're not because of the way the writing is is vertical or whatever. Uh, um, but it's just very interesting how, again, this very sort of specific perspective um, is is so. I don't know. Like it 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 it's it speaks to me in a way that like. A lot of again, some of the Western stuff doesn't like, um, and I find that fascinating. And again, like it's just interesting to me that you know you're a filmmaker uh, from Australia, and given like sort of all of the sort of history uh, 
that exist in that country, specifically when it comes to film itself. Its own Australia has its own uniqueness, right? Its own sort of, you know, whether it's, you know, the George Miller shit or whether it's, you know, exploitation era and then like, you know, all the stuff that's come post that, like there's this, has its own unique thing, right? But then you have you as a filmmaker who are sort of have these, you're drawing from these outside influences. Um, and it, and in a, in a way your, your movie to me, and this is just me from sort of like, this is sort of American sort of uh, viewpoint. In a way, I can identify that you're an Australian filmmaker, but there's elements to it that I'm just like, yeah, but this is not like, <laughs> this is not like something that I see um, typically coming from Australia. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I really want to ask you a little bit about like, what are your feelings about sort of filmmaking um, in Australia? And was it at all sort of something that uh, influenced you um, as a filmmaker whatsoever? Mm. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a, it's kind of a tough one. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm sort of in a weird spot where I actually didn't spend most of my childhood in Australia. So I, I grew up in Europe. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I didn't get a lot of Australian influences at, mm-hmm. you know, a time where you really kind of take things in, right? But, you know, there's Australian films that I absolutely love, like um, Bad Boy Bubby, Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, one, of, one of my favorite movies. That that's also a big, you know, influence, influence. on Catsick Blues. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Although now that I think about it, my two favorite Australian films are directed uh, by foreigners. So Bad Boy Bubby is by a Dutch director, mm-hmm. Rolf de Heer, and um, my other favorite Australian movie is Wake and Fright. Yeah, uh, yeah which we'll is just... directed by a Canadian. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think true. Australia. Um, I I feel I don't want to shit on australia too much but australia is you know it's a very it's a big place in a way like you know physically big but it's very small yeah um yeah. in terms of population and the film industry is just not it's just it can't really it's not a sustainable thing in australia so you know we've got i think the population of australia is like maybe like 26 million people and japan is 126 million so Japan can afford to be kind of like isolated and have their own industry that kind of, you know, works within that country by itself. Whereas I feel like most Australian films, they are either just very, 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 very small films for a very specific Australian audience that probably won't go anywhere or like the Ausploitation era, they're basically just trying to imitate American films. Um, And some some of those films are great, but I don't really think, they had a big kind of influence on the sort of things that I I've done. Um, yeah. But I still really, there's so many Australian films that I love, but yeah, I probably not a big influence on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's very, I find that very interesting. Cause it's like, I can tell, you know what I mean? Like watching this, I'm like, well, this is just like, it's like, okay, well, at least it, it seems to be, to me that like classic blues is, is is something that's like like you said some of the stuff that you referenced obviously i could see in it right where i could see those sort of you know um the influences right but if you again one of the i guess i don't know maybe one of the main things is just the, the way people talk <laughs> you know what i mean in the movie 
is like that's probably the main hallmark of whether it's this is australian movie or not <laughs> you know what i mean uh because outside of that i think if you change the accents uh mm-hmm. it, i think it would be harder to place you know what i mean it, it, yeah there's it, a it, german <laughs> release of the film where it's dubbed into german and it's so trippy to watch because it, it just changes the film dramatically <laughs> they dubbed uh matt the main actor they've you know he's got a very unique kind of voice right mm. really kind of um kind of gentle in a way his voice and then the the german version they've dubbed him with this really gruff kind of like sexy sounding guy <laughs> <laughs> so it just really changes the tone <laughs> oh yeah man it's just it. <laughs> i feel like i you know it's one of these things where like i actively made sure i was like i told myself i was like you know what like I'm not gonna rewatch Casting Blues. Like I'm, I'm like I'm just gonna talk talk to Dave about sort of my. You ever watch? So for example, so you ever watch a movie, right? And you watch it like once, right? And you're like, I don't want to return to this. Not because, not because I don't want to, but because it's like it lives in my brain, uh, so clear that mm. I'm just like. I'm going to return to this movie at some point, but I'm just, I'm like, I'm holding off. It's like, there's a, there's another movie, for example, I've only, this is, this is, this movie is unique. Right. And I'll say this uh, under the skin. Right. Mm-hmm. I've seen that movie one time. I can recall every fucking scene of that movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like now cat sick blues. I can't recall every scene, but damn near. Like, mm-hmm. which kind of speaks to sort of uh, the effect of the effectiveness of a movie in a way um, where it's like, I can damn near recall everything that happened <laughs> in this movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've kind of thought about it for a little bit. And I'm and part of it is like, is it is it shock? But I'm not really a shocked person. Like, I don't really get, it's not that I've seen enough. Uh, uh, fucked up shit to mm-hmm. where, like, I'm sort of kind of like desensitized. Right. Mm. Um, but it's, so it's not that. And what it boils down to is sort of like. You manage to a, a movie like this manages to sort of. For certain people, maybe not for everybody. Right. But I guess I fall. I, I guess I fall into this, 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 uh, this yeah. small group of people. Movies like this hit a certain sweet spot. Right. Where like. It's doing things at a, in a certain way that like are going to resonate with me and stick with me like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's sort of like, and again, I don't know what this says about me, but <laughs> it is a type of movie that's like kind of like tailor made for somebody like me, <laughs> which again, I don't know what that says about me. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to do this sort of typical like I'm just going to rewatch it because I feel like I know this movie fairly well. Um <laughs> But I want people to really also, this is another thing. Uh, this is one of the, one of the reasons I do this too, is like, I want people to actually watch this shit. Like, because I have a tendency to do this too. Have you ever like talked about a movie? Like, cause I know you talk about movies. You have a podcast where you talk about movies and like the, the temp, the temptation, even on your podcast that you do, right. The temptation to sort of like start from the top and go all the way through is kind of hard. 
Mm-hmm. It's 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 but but you know, but like but then I I find myself listening to podcasts that do that and I hate them for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where I'm like, like, why did you do beat by beat by beat by beat by beat? So that's I'm kind like, of what we that's what we do on our podcast. But I don't though. hate, but no, but not really though, because I feel like you guys, while you do do you do you do track the film, right? You go from like mm. starts here, goes there, goes there, but like I don't feel like you're giving me a PowerPoint presentation of beat by beat. Like I don't feel like. You know, and I have a tendency to be like when I talk about a movie um, with someone who's seen the movie. Right. I'm like, OK, so in the very beginning. Right. When they do that, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I keep I'm conscious of that when I do this podcast, because I'm like, OK, so if I'm like like I will spoil shit. I'm, I'm one of those people that I will spoil shit like uh, because I don't you know, I really I feel like. The types of movies I talk about are, are I feel like you can't spoil them like Cassie Blues. We could go beat by beat. And it's you can't spoil this movie like mm. you can't because it's an experience. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's like nothing I can say. I can I could tell you like, yeah, there's the scene. <laughs> I could tell you where he beats the woman that uh, crushes woman's head with a, a, a Yorkie statue, a dog yeah. statue. But it, it doesn't matter how much I tell you, like when you actually see that moment. It's going to mm. be like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Like I could describe it. Yeah. He just keeps beating her over the head over and over and over again. But so it's not going to ruin it. But at the same time, like I do feel like this weird sort of obligation to sort of like get people to watch this, these movies and to get people to see these movies. So the tendency for me to be like, you know, to delve into sort of more granular sort of things about this movie, I feel like almost is like, no, 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 no. Go in blind. Like, like you, they need to like, experience cat sick blues like almost with like no sort of <laughs> like no sort of preamble no sort of like don't prepare them just like be like yo watch this movie cat put sick. it on just put <laughs> it on don't tell them anything about it like just put it on and just let them just because i feel like that's the best way <laughs> to see to see your movie you know what i mean um very traumatic for some people <laughs> yeah i mean i always say this you know i feel like um I will always say, yo, if you're one of those people who needs to trigger warning, then just don't like, I'm not, you know what I mean? Just don't even don't, don't bother. And on that subject, um, what kind of pushback did you receive for this movie? Given, given the climate that we live in now. um, Yeah, definitely a lot. I was talking about this last night, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty intense. Like it's weird. Like each country, has had its own different reaction to it. Mm. So America is kind of like half and half, but yeah, we do. I, I was really surprised when I, when I made it, I wasn't going out of my way to uh, like upset or offend people. I didn't really think about that when I was making it, but um, yeah, when it first started playing at festivals and we started getting like really like angry kind of messages about it uh, and, you know, people, you know, making sort of assumptions of what the film is about. And that's fine. Like people can read a movie however they want, but it was pretty confronting for me because I'm, you know, not really, you know, I'm not really good at like sort of arguing back. I'm just like, yep. Okay. uh All right. Yep. So like a lot of on Twitter, I often just get like messages saying like, you know, why did you do this? Why did you do this? This is what this is. And like, it just sort of very aggressively telling me what's wrong with my film and I just reply, just going like, yeah, yep. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> just sort of accept it. But I think the worst was in, um, yeah, in the UK, it got 
that was like the angriest response that we had at the festivals there and um yeah I, I heard a story about it playing at uh, a festival where like you know a lot of the audience like walked out and were just ranting about it afterwards and I'm like fucking hell did not mean to upset people that much um but the other thing that kind of bothered me like early on is as you said because of the climate you also get people trying to like politicize what what I'm doing as well so I had like um an interviewer kind of early on who was like oh so you've deliberately made this to kind of like upset the you know like you know feminists and like go against like you know these kind of left-wing cuck people like whoa whoa, no 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 like (laughs) i'm a left-wing cuck myself so (laughs) (laughs) don't don't try and tell me like like don't put i do not want to become part of the alt-right movement please yeah i also had sort of it felt like i was being tugged in sort of different directions um yeah but it is fascinating to see the different reaction so in in japan we haven't had it's just starting to come out in japan now like finally and um the response here has not been aggressive at all it's been totally yeah i I haven't had any of that sort of pushback here it's just been really positive so so that's been nice for once to experience that i figure i figure for one you know i figure if if anybody's going to be japan japan i mean i just again i know they have weird I weirdly Japan does have like a lot of censorship that you know I, that I'm aware of like a lot of censorship uh issues right but it's like yeah I saw um the shape of water is that what it's called that del Toro film mm-hmm. uh a couple of years ago and they like censored um what did they they blurred out uh what's that actor's name in it they're really oh fuck I've totally forgotten his name that really ridiculous actor that's in it. I've completely forgotten his name. Which one? Um, <laughs> the, the, he's like the villain of the film, but oh. he's like famously an absurd kind of actor. <laughs> For some uh, reason, why am the I only liking... film, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the only other film I can think of that he's in is Eight Mile, which is ridiculous. He's, he's also he's he's also in um, Shelter, right? Isn't that uh, he's, uh, such a famous actor? How have I forgotten his name? I shouldn't be I shouldn't be blanking on. I have to look him up. He's in Take Shelter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, why he's in the, he's a he's Chicago. In yeah, he's a Chicago actor. What, uh, he's really uh, great. Um, Michael Shannon. That's right. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my, when um, yeah, when I watched The Shape of Water, there's a there's a bit where he, you must have seen his balls or something from behind, and they blurred it. I'm like, fuck, come on, guys. It's like a film with like a woman fucking a fish, and like you <laughs> you're blurring Michael Shannon's button balls. <laughs> But it's weird though because it's like the most some of the most wild this shit comes out of Japan. Like you know what I mean. Some of the, and it's just so strange. Where it's like my theory has always been that because they're kind of they're kind of uh, what's the word tied up with this sort of censorship that they can't avoid, mm-hmm. and that censorship comes from post-war, uh, you know, American ideas of censorship, but in the fifties. And they just right, haven't right. moved on from that. They've just sort of retained this censorship. So my theory has always been because they're kind of, they have this censorship, it makes them go more extreme in every sort of other angle because they mm. they have to. <laughs> right, because then I watch, you see a movie like, you know, like, you know, Ichi the Killer. And you're like, yo, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this that movie could be released in America. Like, I mean, it came out obviously on DVD, but I don't think that movie could have got like an R rating. Like, I know it couldn't have. 
Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it, there's no way. <laughs> they, but, yeah, it surprises me that that film made it past Australian senses because Australia is really strict. Um, and we, we were actually, with Katzik Blues, when it came out in Australia, the Australian distributor was like, all right, so you're probably going to need to cut this scene, this scene, this scene. And he was like getting me ready to like edit the film down. Um, and then weirdly, not only did it pass the senses, but it didn't even get the highest, like hardest rating you could get. <laughs> it was crazy. Yet the film is banned in New Zealand. <laughs> and in australia doesn't have the the hardest rating you could get <laughs> well you know what that's kind of like a badge of honor to be banned in new zealand i guess <laughs> i was really surprised by that one yeah <laughs> but um oh yeah so since you're in japan um mm. what is the climate now uh since uh <laughs> since Shinsu Abe got got uh, assassinated. Uh, mm. That is uh, some of the wildest shit. Um, uh, it's yeah, that day that that is the craziest thing I've yeah. ever experienced here. Mm. And it it happened like, you know, fairly close to where I am as well. Um, yeah, like my whole the whole company, the company I work for, like the they um, they have a school like just like in front of where it happened. They had to like close Holy down shit. on that day. But yeah, that that was um, that was really intense because, you know, like I, I'm no expert on Japanese politics, but mm-hmm. Shinzo Abe, you know, he was, um, you know, I think it's really terrible that he he died, obviously, but he shouldn't be turned into like this martyr of, uh, you know, a, a great kind of guy because he yeah. he was very nationalistic, very right. right- Right, right. A lot of leftists, a lot of leftists, um, mm. you know, in full disclosure, I'm pretty far left. But like, a lot of leftists <laughs> were like, like killing the memes when that when that happened. They were just like, yeah, because yeah. they just pointed out like, yeah, Shinzo Abe was this, this far right mm. guy and he did all this fucked up stuff. Um, it, interestingly, it, it's mm. it's really just pushed Japan so much more conservative because um, right after that, there was an election. <laughs> and so the, his party just swept the elections like completely you know annihilated uh i mean they do every time like japan is basically like a benevolent dictatorship it's like had the same political party for forever and it, it just it's fine i guess but um yeah it, it's it was a very it was a very strange day when that happened and strange kind of month after that as well just very yeah weird feeling because stuff like that i mean especially with a a gun i know it was like a homemade, homemade gun, gun. yeah when that was the in the when we heard the news most people's reaction were the first reaction was like a gun like what the fuck because that just it, like that doesn't happen here like to to own a gun here i think you need to have like a a mental health check like every year mm-hmm. and you have to go through a huge kind of process to to get the gun so it's it just they don't really exist here so that that was incredibly shocking i think um and i don't know if you saw the videos of it of it happening yeah, but when yeah, the yeah. when the gun goes off like no one kind of reacts mm-hmm. straight away because it's just such a unusual thing to happen mm-hmm. whereas i imagine if that happened in america everyone would just be like on the ground straight away yeah right? yeah here here you could get a gun um pretty much they'll give you a gun like like there's a reason <laughs> there's a reason there's mass shootings all the time here like you yeah, can get yeah. a 
you can get a gun here. It's fairly there's and even when you can't get a gun, like there are loopholes where you can get a gun. Like one of the <laughs> easiest things you can do here is get a gun. Like so, yeah, that's it's just wild. But like, and I feel like here, like a lot of people, I feel like if I went out in the street right now and and said, yo, if I went to my neighbor, you know what I'm mm. saying? If I went to sort of like anybody, like I feel like the average person wouldn't know, like the news yeah. cycle. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm just very online and I actually pay attention to this stuff, but, but, but I feel like, but that was such a bizarre. Yeah, totally. Like bizarre. event that Nuts. is just like, yeah. like, okay, 2020, like 2020 to 2022 has been nothing but that regardless of where you live. <laughs> but that's, that one really stuck out to me where I was like, holy shit, like this guy. Mm. And then like, uh, I noticed that like, they showed like some of the other stuff they took out of his out of this guy's place. And he had mm. like this other gun that had like multiple barrels. And right, I was, right. I was like, what? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's, it's surreal. It was like surreal because it's some shit that, mm. you know, um, you don't kind of uh, you expect to see it in a movie like mm. uh, uh, but to see sort of an assassin. But again, like in America, like. And this is what I'll give kudos to sort of. Uh, it's weird to say this, but like kudos isn't even the right word. Let me, let me, let me back that off. Uh, <laughs> I will say this, like in America, like people don't assassinate like former sort of political leaders or people in power. They just walk into a McDonald's with a Uzi and shoot a bunch of innocent people. So it's like, at the very least, like, it, like to see someone in another country, like assassinate someone with actual political sort of, mm-hmm. uh, is like also kind of shocking where it's like, oh shit, like somebody actually did this some shit that like people like just talk about here that I don't really do. They just kill innocent people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh very different from yeah, mm-hmm, any mm-hmm. kind of typical, you know, mass shooting or something. It's very targeted. Right. And that's that was kind of the thing that, you know, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy nuts or anything but the way the media kind of portrayed it here instantly they're like oh he's a he's a, he was a crazy guy just a crazy guy and he just he yeah no 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 no, no, no. Like, we- well <laughs> let's dig a little bit deeper and see what his reasons were and um you know like definitely not um you know supporting what he did but it's not like you know he he had a a very strong motive it wasn't just a yeah a as you say, just walking into a McDonald's right. or something. That was a, that's what, and that's and like that's just speaking to the point that I'm making, which is like that was a very pers- like targeted intent, like shooting. Mm. It wasn't like what you see here, which is just mm. tragic, innocent people, countless people just dying. No, this is somebody yeah. who had a specific target, went mm. out and did that, and had whatever reasons that he had uh, for doing that. Um, mm. And when people over here see that, they're like, "Holy shit, it's just so different." Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so different from what you would see because you wouldn't probably would never see that. Like, you Mm. would never very rarely do you see that. Like the people that you do see doing that are, you know, like you can go. You have to go through history, like American history to really be like, oh, yeah, that's one guy who did it. And this guy. But mostly it's not like people are sort of almost. uh, I don't know, like almost. They feel powerless, therefore, they only sort of know how to. enact sort of acts that are in and of mm. itself and display of their powerlessness. Um, sure. Sure. And I'm not trying to valorize the guy who killed Shinzu Abe or anything, but I'm just saying like from an American perspective, like that's some, that is some shit that you're like, wow. Like uh, he really, mm. he really, uh, 
he he built a whole fucking gun yeah it's nuts yeah like but you know the the stupidest thing is like his whatever his goal might have been it's very much backfired because now it's got now those people in power but 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 but, you know i see like i feel like you know that's a trend that is not just you know exclusive to japan it's a trend sort of Mm. all over or it's just like i mean here i mean all the people that they say they don't want in power are in power and invite, you know, mm. are going to be when the new election comes. So, you know, um, that's, okay, that's just, yeah. I'm terrified of America. Not going to lie. <laughs> you, should, you should be. <laughs> it's a terrifying place. Um, uh, I'm terrified of it too. Uh, what, but, what city are you in? Well, I'm in currently I'm in Cincinnati. Um, I lived in LA, I lived in Los Angeles for a few years. Um, moved back here because I grew up here, even though I'm originally, I was born in California. Uh, mm. But then I moved back out there uh, once I started like screenwriting and stuff and, and started doing like film adjacent things. Mm. Um, but then I was like, things kind of fell apart there. First of all, it's way too expensive. Mm. Like, And after a few years, I was like, you know, I had to bail. So I came back here, licked my wounds. And then sort of ironically, I started working more. <laughs> and I ended up mm. finding myself going back to LA. And it felt like I've been in LA more than when I lived in LA. Uh, sure, you, know, sure. you know what i mean in a weird way um matt, matt from katsik blues because he, he's a screenwriter as his, his actual job mm-hmm. yeah he, he lives in la now that's so cool run, i didn't run into yeah. him sometime <laughs> i didn't realize that the the co-screenwriter is in la oh wow he's not he's from australia too right yeah yeah, yeah okay cool 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 yeah. yeah yeah i mean i always tell people you know um Partly, you know, because of things like Zoom now and because we, you know, we live in a, an era of COVID where uh, it's even more reinforced this idea of like, you don't really have to be in L.A. unless you have to be in L.A. You know mm. what I mean? Like, like when they need you, then you can go like and I feel like there's just. Yeah. Um, and I'm also sort of like one of those people who is like. I don't know, like there's something there's something that I noticed being outside of LA and coming back in like is that I retain a better sense of like people and like the world outside of that bubble because mm-hmm. there's one thing about being in like specifically on in America on the on the coastal sort of coast if whether it's New York City or LA you know both places I have you know familiarity with and have been over I've been there been to both those places that those are those are beacons, right? Those are sort of like these big giant cities that are like, sort of like, you know, um, not only does, not only does the media sort of, you know, exist there in a way that it doesn't exist in sort of the rest of the country, uh, but also sort of like, it's very, it's very out of touch. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's like, I feel like that filters back into sort of the things you see come that come out. Like, there's a reason why I don't know if you watch many uh, big Hollywood studio movies. Uh, there's a reason why they're all there. You know, all the movies, you know, whether they're MCU movies um, or I don't know, name a movie right now that just came out. There's a reason why they're all the same. Like, you know what I mean? Um, they're not you're not getting perspectives. Uh, mm. By you, you're not going to see a movie like Cat's Egg Blues <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> coming from a studio. It's not going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Um, it's just not like um i mean i, I would love to see like, uh, <laughs> a hundred million dollar cats yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually uh matt yeah matt the lead actor and i we always 
every time we do interviews or like introductions we always try to make up new lies about the movie and um what our favorite one is is always claiming that the biggest influence on cats like blues is the minions franchise <laughs> but um but yeah we did a, an introduction once where we claimed uh that there was going to be a hollywood remake of cats like blues starring all three hemsworth brothers <laughs> as the cat man in a rotating role <laughs> That would be the uh, best. That would be the best thing the Hemsworth brothers ever did. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, <laughs> it's it's just funny because you know, um, I find myself, and this is the reason why I found a movie like Cats Blues is because I I and again like speaking to my own sort of experience as a screenwriter and shit, like uh, like the writing that I do, the stuff that I make is directly influenced, sort of by my life, let alone like, not just the, you know, and this is another thing that Hollywood does, right? Hollywood is like, and I know so many people, like I know so many screenwriters, so many filmmakers, like, cause LA is very small. Like, um, and I know these people's minds. Like I know how they think. I've had conversations with them. I've had meetings with these people, um, you know, I know who they are. So it's like when I watch these movies and I hear sort of like, it's all, it's like, there is a certain type of, for lack of a better word, and we, we talked about this sort of thing, like, you know, like being labeled as sort of right wing, right? Like potentially right wing, just based on the content of your, just on the set, the simple fact that your movie is transgressive, right? Uh, which I'm constantly pushing back at. I'm like, no, 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 no. We can't live in a world where like, right, like the right has the monopoly on transgressiveness. No, fuck that. Mm -hmm. I, I categorically like disagree with that. And I'm always pushing back to that. Like, no, 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 no. No, it's not about like just these people over here are allowed to sort of do that. Like, no, but there are sort of very sort of like your kind of textbook establishment sort of liberal types who sort of um, it, hive mind exist. Like as much as they like to sort of criticize uh, their their right leaning counterparts, right? As, be, as sort of being sort of, uh, you know, all this, it's like, it's, it's they're like the mirror image like you know what i mean like they're, they're very similar like where it's like they all sort of think the same they all sort of talk the same there's a sort of accepted ideology there's this there's sort of things that are deemed acceptable and there are things that are deemed sort of unacceptable and therefore need to be sort of cast out and not allowed in right and and to me that is the death of art right so but like when i watch a lot of these big hollywood movies like I find myself in a situation where I'm like hate watching the majority of them, right? Where I'm like, oh, fuck. So it's like, I find myself constantly seeking out things that are just an alternative to that. Not only for my own personal enjoyment, because I love films, you know, I love, you know, but, but, but also because like it directly influences sort of my own work where, where it's like, um, like I don't want to sort of make this sort of like, I don't know, this sort of surface level uh, after school special style social commentary that exists now in a lot of these Hollywood movies, but also that has any sort of sense of like individuality sort of completely strangled the fuck out of it. Like, you know what I mean? By the, by the simple fact that like it has to be sort of corporate approved and has to sort of, you know, be able to sort of be presented to the human resource department and not cause any sort of issues or problems. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like I'm not interested in that type of 
uh, art and it's and 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 that's pretty much all that comes out here mm. almost like there are exceptions right there are exceptions there are people there are filmmakers and and and, and people who sort of uh have worked them, themselves into a space where they're pretty much left alone but that's a you can count those people in one hand mm. right i think the you worst know? i think even worse than that for for me is when you see like uh independent filmmakers who are trying to emulate like bigger budget things where it's like but you it's like you don't need to do that because you're you know you've got a small budget you you have the creative control so why are you trying to make something that's like everything else like you should be making something completely you know unhinged and exactly what you want to make so that's that's always something that's kind of bothered me like low budget films that are trying to be something that they're not it's funny that it's funny that you said that because i was literally had this conversation um on those podcasts but also you know um with with friends that like um who are um in the literary space in the literary world and they've articulated the same thing and i've agreed with them like this idea that like um not only do you have filmmakers doing it, but you have sort of like people who want to be, you know, uh, published by the big five. Like, um, so you have like, uh, you know, writers who are emulating sort of the stuff that they see that gets released by the, you know, the big publishing houses and goes into Barnes and Nobles. And it's like, why would you write things like that when you can do whatever you want? You know, it's because they're auditioning. Like what they're doing is even though they're at this indie level, right? Even though they're at this space where they're like, they don't have the oversight and they're and pretty much have no one's really watching them. But yet the tendency for them is to sort of emulate the things that they see being put out like by the sort of, you know, the big, you know, established companies as a way to audition for the pros, right? But it's like, but not understanding and not realizing that like, you're not going to stand out one two. that stuff really isn't good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, but you know, and it's like, so you're like making this sort of weird, like lesser facsimile of a thing mm-hmm. that is in and of itself inherently lesser, but it does have all the money and investment in it. But the reason it is inherently lesser is not because of sort of the people making it as much as it is about like sort of the restrictions that are there um, yeah. and the sort of like the goals of these places like they want to they want to reach you know a, it's about you know four quadrants and you know things like that sort of being able to make this thing as palatable to as many people as humanly possible you mm. know so that they can see the biggest return possible like mm. and you as someone who has absolutely uh you're completely on the outside and yet um you're giving yourself these restrictions mm. i think un- unfortunately as well like it, it actually it's hard to to not do that as well even uh in kind of like an unconscious way you're always going to be influenced by what people say about your work like so like for me i try really hard just to not um read any reviews good or bad of cat sick blues just because i don't want it to influence what i do next right but of course thing you like because i you know we don't have a marketing team. I have to like self-promote. So of course I do have to like naturally read some things. And um, I know it, and I know it influences me for what I write, 
because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about like, oh, but maybe this might upset these people. So I think naturally you start to, yeah, unfortunately, like get influenced by outside things, even if you don't want to as well. But I, yeah, I'd really consciously try to, to not be, but yeah, it, it is hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, trust me. I, I, I know like, um, it's weird because it's one of the, it's a constant battle, right? It's a constant battle. Um, it's one of those things where you are aware of it. You can't help it on some levels, like to be, completely shut the blinders off is kind of almost nearly impossible. Right. Yeah, uh, but you just sort of kind of have to sort of like continuously remind yourself like like no 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 like stop like you know what i mean like stop worrying you know what i mean it's it's a constant at least you know like for me it is definitely like it's a constant sort of i have to constantly remind myself because Mm -hmm. it's so easy to sort of like make sort of compromises when there's no one even making you make the compromise at the moment you know what i mean like there's nobody even there saying hey don't do that they don't have because you you already sort of hear those phantom people already Mm -hmm. they're not even you know yeah that, yeah that's what i i felt that um yeah the 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 script i'm working on now like last year i spent basically the whole year just slowly slogging away on the script mm-hmm. um and then uh i uh, yeah katsuk blues had a screening in tokyo and we went along for it and it was the first time i watched the movie in maybe like I guess like four or five years and it was you know even though i can obviously see all the things i would do differently now and obviously you know i have a lot of issues with the film itself watching it i was like oh i have to throw out my script because the script that i just wrote is trying to be something else and it's not me whereas this film for all its flaws is 100 percent my my own film right so I like threw it all out and started again with that in mind. And it really like re-energized my, my writing. And I actually finished a draft, like I think within a month compared to like, you know, slowly slogging away on this thing for, for 12 months. And so that was a really good reminder for me of like, no, 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 I, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting paid by anyone. Like I have no boundaries with, with what I'm making and I've got to make something that's like, something that only I could make for better or, or worse, basically. <laughs> so, so that was a good experience to, to see that kind of really, yeah, gave me like a shot of energy for, for writing again. And that's a big, what you just said right there is a big reason why, again, I do this, this podcast is sort of rem- to, to remind myself one, it's kind of self-serving, um, but it's mm. also to like for every, for anybody else, which is to sort of, you know, um, th- that sort of, headspace is like where you need to create from right and i feel like there's you can never be uh over reminded of that like i feel like it's just one of those things that like it is one of the fights that you have to make to create shit um Mm. like it is very hard to sort of like because you're told one of the things when you start making anything right um people one thing is like your voice is important right like it's, it's all about the vo- like a, a big aspect of sort of like whether you're whether you write novels whether you direct and write movies or whatever like whether you paint right um the biggest sort of element to sort of anything that you create is the sort of fingerprint you know what i'm saying this the specific unique sort of fingerprint that exists mm. 
of the individual, right? And the sort of and 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 but it's hard to sort of keep that in mind when you're sort of inundated with all the sort of like advice about you know what you need to do and what sells and the market and all the you know all the stuff that has to that goes on like after the work is created all right mm. like all of those things are about the work once it already exists right uh and you got to learn to put that shit to your side you got to learn to put that shit you know in the background like in order for you to sort of create the thing and let it be sort of truly you like you know um one of the things that you did that you said that that I liked was that you know you were like filmmaking is a hobby for me, and like um, whether it is or isn't right, I feel like you should always have that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how I look at it. Like yes, I make money doing doing this. Yes, uh, I could be more successful, but I, but I don't want to be some of the people I know. Like mm. I don't I don't want to have a career as a screenwriter. And all I'm doing is writing, you know, name a movie. I don't want to pick on anybody because I know some of these people. Uh, I don't want to, <laughs> but, 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 you know, I don't want to write Fast and the Furious 10 or 11, even though I, first of all, <laughs> first of all, I've read the Fast and the Furious 10 script, by the way, but, yeah, yeah. but, but I don't want to write Fast and the Furious 11 or Fast okay. and the Furious 12, 13. Like, I'm not interested in that. Like, I'm I, like, like those are like, I know people with those careers. Like I know people that get to just sort of like, they get slotted in the studio calls them. Yeah. They're paid well, right. They're paid well. They get great, you know, writer's guild insurance. They, you know, they live in a nice house, you know, out there somewhere in, you know, LA area. And, and, you know, they're able to, you know, they're able to live a decent comfortable existence. So, but, it's, but to me, it's like, but to do that over and over again is akin to artistic death. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And like, I'm one of these people that like, and I kind of get the same sense of you is like that I would pro I would be doing this anyways. Like, you know what I mean? Like I would be making things I would be writing and making things and trying to make movies and trying to write what write novels or direct stuff. I would be doing this anyways. Like it's yeah, just yeah. part of who I am. So it's like me making money off of it is a bonus. You know what I mean? Mm. Like any sort of like sustainability that I have from it is a bonus. Like, yeah. um, and I feel like mo more people should approach it that way, but unfortunately they don't like, unfortunately, like it is, it is one of these businesses where it is like, yeah, Hollywood, you can just come in and, you know, get rich quick. You know what I mean? You can, mm. you can write you. And it's like, no, like, you know, like it's not what yeah. put it this way. It's not what you think it is um, from the outside. Like a lot of people think that it's just gravy train and it's mm -hmm. like, nah. <laughs> yeah. I think like people who, yeah, who really, as you say, it's like part of yourself, you would be doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, making, I don't know if, if you feel this way, but for me, I actually like find the process of making stuff is kind of excruciating. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and to be honest, I actually kind of hate, hate everything about making, <laughs> I hate writing, I hate making films in a sense, like, but I do it just because yeah there is a drive to do it and also because there are like moments where it feels really good you know there's like days where it, it is like things actually go right for once uh and that's they're the moments that are that are great um but there's not really much of the process that that i like and you know making catsick blues was yeah probably the most stressful experience of my life like making something with almost no money yeah. that was like a very you know 
like say what you will about the film i don't think it's we didn't write it in the sense of like all right we're making a low budget film so it's going to have one location and three characters it's not that like it's like way too big for for the budget that it has so like making that was you know really shaved some years off my life and stress so it's not like we do it for uh, you know like just <laughs> just like because it's like yeah it's really fun to do it's more just because you have that drive that you you kind of have to do it um yeah that, that's the way how I've, I've always felt about it but that's there's days where it is fun i must say yeah <laughs> i mean i could speak to my own sort of experience doing that like you know like you know it's funny because it's like some of the most stressful moments in my whole entire life was when i was doing like film related things like whether I was making short when I even when I started even when I started doing this when I was doing like short films and stuff and I was in like a little janky ass local college and I was doing like short films like I remember the level of stress that I had on some of those little things right but then I remember like just I remember the amount of stress like just in sort of like paid writing screenwriting stuff as a Mm. screenwriter and I'm like I just it's like it the allow it is stressful like um one again, Richard Stringham, the guy who I had on um, on my podcast early, uh, he's a friend of mine, and he, like I said, he made this movie Close Calls. But he he put that movie out. I believe Close Calls came out in what 2017 or no 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 not even that. Let me let me look this up real quick. Close Calls. When did Richard put Close Calls out? Because we're in 2022 now, right? And Close Calls, he released that movie in. 2017 so i was right so he was and one of the main things he was like is like one of the main reasons you know i, I haven't done any another movie is because it, it damn near killed me <laughs> like, yeah, you know yeah. what i mean yeah it, that's it, right yeah it damn near killed me like you know um, what, that kind of it always irritate i shouldn't say this because people say it to me all the time but it does actually irritate me when people are like come on when when are you doing your next film it's been ages it's like do you fucking realize like how hard it is to really production yeah yeah like do you want to give me like a hundred grand to like make the film because that's how much i need to do the next one so and like even the for me the worst the absolute worst process of um of making stuff is the initial part where you're trying to to get it started on on a low budget thing so Mm. for cat blues it was partly funded by a Kickstarter. That was one of, that was worse than making the film for me, more stressful because <laughs> it was just constant sort of self-promotion. And the idea of like, not only going through doing that again, but also the, you know, process of kind of bankrupting yourself while making a film, you know, it's yeah. it's really hard to do. It's really, you know, tough. Um, so yeah, when, when people are like, like come on time to do a new thing i'm like sure yeah if you fund it yeah and uh you know <laughs> if you talk to my my workplace and uh, you know you know convince them to give me three months off work sure no problem <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it yeah, is, yeah it's it's rough <laughs> yeah you know that's another thing people don't understand either is like yeah like like you have to have a certain amount of time mm, like yeah. allotted to shoot and it's like yeah, yeah. and the energy as well yeah. you know like i'm much older than when i made Catsick blues and that was hard enough making that so you know it's uh yeah low low budget stuff is um exhausting physically and mentally you know it really it it really is yeah it it really is and and it's like it's funny it's it's like i don't know like i never got into sort of the screenwriting 
like thing to be a screenwriter. Like I got in mm. it because I was like, I wanted to make movies. Like I wanted to direct. I wanted to sort of do all kinds of things. Like, and even to this day, like I don't quite understand. Like I understand it from my standpoint and maybe from your standpoint, like in terms of like trying to like do actual productions and being like, fuck, this shit is so hard. Like, like mm. that you just end up, but I know people who have don't even have like, even the slightest interest in making for film and they're just like i'm just gonna be a screenwriter i just don't understand people like that like i'm like you just want to be a screenwriter like you know what i mean like what the fuck? like you know what i mean it's just the weirdest thing to me it's like it's like wait a minute you, you only want to be a screenwriter like ha! your power level is pathetic compared to mine <laughs> on the subject of, of 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 your your podcast so your co-host um he also Guy. lives yeah, yeah, yeah. He, also, he also lives in japan right yeah yeah where's guy from he's from the uk he's from the uk yeah it's actually yeah that was i don't know if have you seen he's a filmmaker as well have you seen any of his films um he's his most uh well-known shot is called difficulty breathing and i highly recommend it it's fucking great it's and he's like a real he's properly you know, independent, like does basically everything himself. He's, he um, hasn't had any features yet, right? He mm-hmm. just finished a feature. It's actually next week is the premiere. Oh, so awesome. yeah, I, I did two days on that, just helping him out with some camera stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's a really good film as well. It's called The Sound of Summer. So that's mm-hmm. going to be out soon. Looking forward to the premiere for that. Even though it's like it's like a daytime premiere midday. <laughs> it's like you could get a venue for free, but it had to be at midday. <laughs> well, how did you and Guy uh how did you guys connect? Um how do we connect? So I think it was actually weirdly enough on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. a guy, a reviewer I liked on there had reviewed difficulty breathing. I'm like, man, that film sounds really great. And it's like shot in Osaka, so I really want to see it. So I sent him a message um, just asking where he could, yeah, where he'd access the film. And he put me onto Guy. He's like, maybe just buy it directly from Guy. And then, um, yeah, so I bought the film from Guy. And then he was like, oh, so you live in Osaka. Should we just get a beer sometime? Like, yeah, all right. This is like the beginning of the pandemic as well. So it was a little bit weird. (laughs) But um, yeah, we like, I, I don't think I've ever like hit it off so instantly with someone so like the first uh day we we caught up it was that kind of awkward thing where you first meet someone and sometimes when you've got the same interest as someone it can be like actually like kind of a bad match right like you might argue over like stupid little things but yeah we just like got along so well had a lot of like and the the reason we started the podcast is because we have this thing where we have kind of we love watching like weird films and kind of obscure sort of stuff but we like kind of we have we have like knowledge gaps Mm -hmm. that the other one fills in so the reason we like thought of this idea for the podcast is just based on you know guy being like oh you should watch this like crazy japanese film like i've never heard of that what the hell is that watch it and it's like amazing and then i would do this the same for him so like wow we may as well just turn that into a podcast because we we already talk about it afterwards so why not so it's more just a really fun thing to do that that podcast yeah but yeah. um it's great it's really i it, it's so fun talking about movies with him 
Yeah, I, like I said before, it's only two. Like I've only heard two episodes so far, and, and I, I'm I'm already like, yeah, this is this is kind of <laughs> like. But the, the next episode, episode three, is very shambolic because <laughs> it's about um, it's about Petey Wheatstraw. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, my father uh, like I love that. He was a big Rudy Raymore fan, and like nice. he, I had a P. They had we had a he had a Petey Wheatstraw like DVD back like when I was like That's in high awesome. school. So yeah, 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 I'm very familiar with like Rudy Ray <laughs> and Petey Wheatstraw and all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah guy, guy had like never heard of Rudy Ray Moore. So I think that really <laughs> messed with his head. Because especially that, like Rudy Ray Moore is so like, <laughs> like that film in particular is yeah, just, yeah. it's just so nuts from the get go. Oh man, I love that film. But it's a hard film to talk about because like so much happens in it it's just overwhelming <laughs> it is it, yeah yeah it, it, that's one of those things where it's like um it's one of those movies that it's interesting he's one of those filmmakers and as well who who sort of like didn't have a sort of awareness outside mm. of sort of like a very specific community for a long time like yeah yeah like for sure. in america you know, in the black community, like Rudy Raymore was a name that a lot of people knew, right? Mm-hmm. But outside of that, a lot of people were like, if you said Rudy Raymore, they were like, who the hell? You know, they wouldn't have, they had no context, no clue, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it was one of those, again, it was one of those weird oddities that sort of like I just knew about <laughs> because my yeah. dad, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, mm-hmm. Dolomite and you know you could tell me about like the records that he used to have and yeah. all that shit so like I had this weird sort of like like knowledge of him at a you know when I was younger like okay like mm. this, what is this like you know what, I'm saying? what the fuck is Petey Wheatstraw yeah <laughs> the reason I like found out about him was um yeah when I was growing up uh like all I used to listen to was, was hip-hop and I love uh, Old Dirty Bastard. It was my yeah. favorite. <laughs> like, he always, like, would reference Rudy Ray Moore. <laughs> and I'm, like, as, like, this, you know, yeah. teenager in Europe, I'm just like, who the fuck is Dolomite? Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. I think I yeah, tried to track it down there and check it out. So, oh, man. But, yeah, he he's so funny. I and love, he, like, his performances are just, like, <laughs> just great. Like, he's so – he's constantly – he just looks like he's having the best time. Like you can always like see, like underneath <laughs> the he he can't he can't act at all. But he's like always just like smiling behind every kind of scene. Oh man, I love it. He's so good. It's like it's like he is like the best like bad actor. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like you're it. like his bad acting oh, is almost good. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like he clearly. To, <laughs> yeah, I, like it, yeah, you're right. Like I don't even want to call it bad, even though it is bad. It's bad, but it's, but it's not. It's, great yeah 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 yeah. and that's what i mean like it exists in that sweet spot like where it's just like okay this shouldn't be like working at all but it but it works like you know what i mean like and that's yeah 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 Yeah, i think it's just (laughs) i I don't know it's funny because uh people another thing is like you know um people act like they knew about like Rudy Raymore and that since when, when that uh, Eddie Murphy Dolomite movie came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mm. it, I heard more people talk about Rudy Raymore. Um, mm. And I'm like, I know you didn't know anything about Dolomite. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I actually love yeah. that. 
Yeah. I was so surprised mm-hmm. when that, that film came out. I'm like, what the hell? Is Rudy Ray more bi- biopic? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. That was, that was a really good. It was. Uh, I, I, I thought it was really well. Um, I liked how kind of focused it was because, you know, they at first I'm like, oh, man, I wanted to see it like go through what happened after that. But it kind of it works so well as that that moment of just making the first Dolomite. And Wesley Snipes is awesome in it. He's great. I love his uh, Wesley Snipes. I still like one of my favorite actors. Like he's really great. He's uh, one of like seriously one of the most. I know he's like hugely famous, but he's so underrated. Yeah, as an actor, like he he's just like demolition man. My God, it's like he's he's so good. He's so good that he elevates shit. Like Passion for Fifty Seven. Like yeah, 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 for sure. He's so good in Passenger 57. That movie is not like, but he's so good that the movie's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you really think about it, you're like, this movie's not good, but he's so good that I think it's good. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that's how that speaks to his sort of Wesley Snipes, like ability as an act, charisma, an actor. Like, you know, he's like yeah. always been on black. Like, he's just great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just fucking mm-hmm. like, and like you said, demolition man. Like he's just mm-hmm. like, he doesn't get sort of his due, you know what I mean? Anymore. Sure. Like, I, you know, I, he just really yeah. doesn't. Yeah. I also Demolition Man, his role in that is like the best performance anyone's ever done as the Joker, even though it's not the Joker. <laughs> the Joker. <laughs> Kinda, you're, right. Like you're right. You're right. You're right. Right. It's Eddie. Yeah, man. He's so good in that. Have you seen what is that film? Oh, I always forget the title where uh, something, something Julie Newmar. With uh, John John Leguizamo, oh, Patrick Swayze, and Wesley Snipes, and they yeah, they, they're, they're drag queens, drag basically. queens, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, like, something it's got Julie Newmar Julie, in the title. I'm gonna look it up. I, I know um, he is. I saw that watched that recently, and he just absolutely steals the show in that that film. He's great. Ah oh, man, what an awesome actor. He's definitely he's, deserves a, a a better career. He's really like. I mean, again, like what happened, obviously, with the whole tax, the tax stuff yeah. that really set him back. But but like everything that he's in, he's kind of delivers, you know what I mean? Even the stuff that's like even even the stuff that's like uh, like lesser, like, you know, he's still mm-hmm. he's still kind of good. Like, totally. you know what I mean? Like um, and I don't even mean kind of he's just legitimately good. Like, uh, is it too Wong Fu? Yeah, that's Tu-Wong right. Fu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, I don't know why I was blanking on that, but too Wong <laughs> Fu. Um, uh, but yeah, he's good in all of those movies, dude. Like, uh, um, I was saying, I was saying something. I can't remember who I was talking to, but I was talking about Wesley Snipes specifically because they were asking me like, who's sort of your favorite? And I'm like, yeah, he's got to be one of my favorite actors, mm-hmm. like, easily. You know? Um, yeah, he he's really up there for me. I don't know who my favorite actor is. Maybe Bella Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> well, Love again. And he's another one who elevates everything. He's in some of the shittiest movies ever made, he, but he's always, always put in an effort when he was in them. He's really, he is really, really uh, one of those, one of those actors who, who sort of like steps into a, into a movie and sort of like just the fact that his presence is there automatically, definitely t- yeah, yeah, takes yeah. it up a few notches. But you know. He is also one of those actors who sort of because he's a genre like mm. uh, staple, 
that like mm-hmm. he's just sort of referenced a lot by people and like um and he's almost like people will say Bella Lugosi and I'll be like yeah but did you really watch Bella Lugosi like you know you know you ever ask the people yeah, like, yeah. they're like oh no Bella Lugosi I'm like yeah but did you really watch Bella <laughs> like I like a lot of people they say they they say that but then they don't yeah, yeah. you know what I mean like they don't really like yeah, um, yeah. they haven't said right yeah I I went through like over a year I always I don't know why I do this but I get like really obsessed with like one kind of thing and there was like a year where I watched every single movie that Bella Lugosi was in <laughs> and like there is some really terrible shit that he's in <laughs> but there there's maybe out of all the films he's in there's only one film I would say that he gives a kind of um not that great performance and then I, I looked up the production history and it was because he was basically dying when he made it so it's like okay that's understandable yeah, <laughs> that he looked yeah. he was a bit you know he was really unwell when he made that film and you know he he actually couldn't put an effort in for that one that's yeah. fair enough <laughs> and to sort of speak to sort of about like people not like watching things and this is again this is probably why i like your podcast a lot right it's because you guys are watching these sort of very esoteric niche movies that like are fucking bizarre right um and that's sort of you've made that um the key aspect to it right um mm-hmm. and again like I have an, I had I just know a lot of sort of I know a lot of like Hollywood types right um and and like like normies I don't care like normies like you know that's every, like normies I don't really bother me like they have like you know like they just watch whatever but there's like a certain type of person that exists in the industry or whether they're no matter how close in proximity they are to the industry whether they're in the industry for real for real or they're sort of like on the outside trying to get in right but there's a certain type of hollywood person who is like i just question i'm like do you even like films like you know what i mean like do you even like film like because like they only reference the same like movies over and over again like you know right, right. it's the same ones the jaws and eat and liberators of the lost ark and then the same horror movies you know the fucking nightmare you know fucking mm-hmm. friday the 13th whatever go down the list they'll name the sort of bigger sort of well-known halloween whatever over and over again right um and then every now and then something that's outside of the sort of like the the sort of big sort of uh hugely popular cult status films that have sort of trend that transcended that and became like phenomenons right every now and then a new movie will enter the zeitgeist right and here goes those people and now all of a sudden they're like yeah you know it's so great and they have like this opinion and it's like it's like no you don't really like 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 you don't watch movies like that you know what i mean like you don't really like yeah i don't know like dave i've spent a lot of time in, in hollywood like i'm really <laughs> these people rub me the wrong way <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like because again there's so much cool shit out there like you know mm. what I mean? Like there's there's literally, and mm. now that we live in an era where we have the internet, like it's not even hard to yeah, find yeah. shit. Like that's, you could yeah, that's really the it's kind of the it's like a curse and it's the best. And curse. Ever. Yeah, 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 right. We have, we have to like I have to always remind myself of like how great it is mm. and how hot it was to see things back in the day like when i was a 
teenager and having to buy like bootleg tapes of uh was it Last House on Dead End Street or something like that? Like almost unwatchable VHS tapes. <laughs> but, you know, these days, like, as you say, we just have so much access to to everything and things can, you know, suddenly get like... That actually, that, that's my favorite thing now is like older films that are just like sort of being rediscovered. Like, um, have you heard of the film Legend of the Stardust Brothers? Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen oh, it, but yeah, man, yeah, yeah fucking so great and like this was this film that kind of came out in the 80s in japan directed by um the son of uh tezuka osamu tezuka the manga artist and it, it's just this like amazing absolutely um like totally unique totally amazing kind of uh musical <laughs> and it came out and like flopped hard and he like the director even though he was clearly like a genius he it kind of like ruined him after that i think he was so like distressed by the failure of this film he kind of i think he still directed stuff but he basically that was kind of it for him but then yeah just in the last few years it's been kind of it's screened in the uk or something and it got this whole new appreciation and that now this film that like bombed you know over 35 years ago is now like this you know got this new life that's what that's what's that's the best thing about living now i think is just like yeah the kind of rediscovery of, of stuff it, it must be so nice for those filmmakers as well to kind of finally you know get that kind of appreciation for these works that they've made i'm like i'm like adding that to my cue because i'm like yeah that's um, like, that's it, like- it's so good uh, like uh, i really can't recommend it enough it it really kind of blew my mind you know what movie i saw recently that i was like really i really enjoyed it's a japanese film too have you have you seen the man who stole the sun no i don't even know what that is what what is that so the man who stole the sun it's from uh it's, it's fucking great it's from 1979 right uh yeah, well. it's, uh so it's basically about a high school teacher who builds a fucking nuclear bomb in his apartment and then like basically holds like Tokyo and Japan, like hostage basically at that point, like to get them to do stuff for him. Cause he has a fucking nuke. <laughs> uh, it's fucking great. Oh, it sounds really good. It's fucking great. Like I was, I was like, I came across it and I was like, yo, what is this? And I watched it. It was, it was so good. I was like, yeah, this poster is incredible as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's fucking awesome, dude. It's fucking great. Like, yeah. Oh, that sounds so cool. And he's, it goes uh, through like this, it shows like the process of meticulous process he has of like, of like mm-hmm. harnessing this sort of uh nuclear shit. Like he'd like, you see him like, basically you see that like, uh, it's like, you can tell like, oh shit, this guy's getting like radiation poisoning. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but he's like going through all these like steps to like, sort of like, like it's very meticulous how he's like building this fucking bomb. Right. And then like, and then once he does it, the things that he makes the fucking people, like he makes like the authorities do. It's just like, it's great. It's just fucking great. It's just a great, it's a great movie. It's like, Oh, that's definitely on my list for sure. (laughs) But, you know, and, and that's what I mean. Like, there's so much there's so much shit out there that mm-hmm. like. And it's like, as before in the past, like I remember before, like the Internet was like I, it was like. There was Internet, but it wasn't like it was now, like it was yeah, a lot yeah. more harder to find things like I remember, like buying like uh, 
uh, Ricky O on like VHS. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Because I was like, yo, this movie's fucking, not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember having to like go through the process of getting that movie, right? <laughs> in, in like high school and shit. And I was like, I had yeah. it. And I was like, it was this fucking movie. There's like punching I, people's, punching through people's bodies and shit. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about that sort of stuff recently because, um, yeah, when I, I went back to Australia uh, recently and I, I was going through all my boxes of DVDs and tapes and stuff. And I was like looking at, these old things like that I bought when I would have been like maybe like 13 or 14. Mm. And like, I, I found like, um, Riccio was actually one. I remember like <laughs> six up for like months to buy like some insanely expensive Im- imported tape for it. But, um, yeah, I found like a Henry portrait of a serial killer, the, the DVD. And I was like thinking back, I'm like, man, I spent 70 bucks on this and like, <laughs> just like saved up all like my money to buy this one dvd because <laughs> that's what it was like back that's then you couldn't just like yeah yeah you know find something straight away on the internet buy it on youtube or something like it's just it doesn't right happen. but this is the thing though right so like you used to it used to take like legitimate effort in order to get this stuff but now it's not but like people are it, but it doesn't even matter because like when you really like listen to these people like it's like everything they need people to curate for them and shit like you know what i mean it's right, like right. yeah they, they won't be able to find anything if they don't have someone's like to point them in a direction and it's like mm. it's like okay but like how did you find anything before like you know what yeah. i mean you know what i mean like <laughs> like like it was just so much more difficult in pre in a previous in the previous era like to mm. find shit and now it's so easy so that like i feel like people just like I don't know. Like, I was like, I just don't understand. Like, like, yeah, there's all kind of shit that like I can complain about that. I see, like, I, I just watched uh, that new Netflix movie day shift. I, you know, like I, I thought it was horrible, but, 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 but like, it was watchable. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was watchable. It's like a Jamie Foxx fighting vampires and shit and Snoop Dogg mm. or whatever, like Netflix movie. It's like, yeah, it said some funny fun, but it was like, it was just, but it's like, I watched it and I was like, okay, I expected it to be what it was and it's whatever. But I'm like, there's so many other options though. Like I don't have to watch that. Like I could go looking for, I have, I have a whole Plex, like a whole Plex streaming channel that I, of my own with like hundreds of movies on it that I've just yet to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm like I, and people, I just know people complain about what's, what's on streaming and people complain about like what they're watching. And I'm like, you have the internet in front of you. Like, yeah. I like, saw um, when I was back in Australia, my friend was showing me, uh, we, we don't have that many streaming options in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's Japan's v- very backwards in, in a lot of ways like that. But um, yeah, my friend was showing me in Australia. Do you, do you have um, Tubi in, a, yeah. in America? Tubi, oh, Tubi, is, Tubi so, is the best streaming. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I was looking through it and I'm like, this is, this is amazing. They had like every Andy Sedaris film on there, like just and like so many, like ridiculous and like yeah. so like kind of films that I'd like almost forgotten existed. <laughs> just so they, you don't have they don't have it. You can't section. access Tubi in Japan. Say again, sorry. You can't access Tubi in Japan. Uh, I might be able to. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I'm gonna try and get a VPN. VPN, yeah, yeah, VPN. Yeah, yeah I. I I, need, I literally yeah. have Tubi on my phone and I have it on my fucking my TV. Like, yeah, it's Tubi's one of those one of those streaming sites was like 
they have so many movies and like they have movies they have good movies but they also have like the z grade like yeah, yeah, yeah. the stuff that, that you see in the in a bin at a gas station yeah, yeah like, you that's know what, what i mean it. like that's the shit that you'd be like oh shit like this weird i love Tubi. like i think it's Tubi's the best yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean like, like it's the best uh, shit like people make really fun of Tubi movies all the time they're like it's become part of like a meme thing now where it's like the type of movie this this is the type of movie that you see on Tubi. Like, you know what I mean? It's so much better than than Netflix though. It really (laughs) is. It's really the best streaming site because it's like a free, it's like a free for all. It's like you you might find a high quality like movie and then you might find the like some shit that was shot in someone's backyard. Like, (laughs) you know, it's, and it's like all there. It's like no real, you know, like it's it's really, really, and it's like, (laughs) yeah. And in comparison to like this, the the bigger, the bigger places, you know, like whether it's, you know, Apple or, netflix or whatever you know like yeah mm-hmm. i mean i do kind of like some of the curated uh ones like the arrow arrow has their own streaming site which arrow's pretty good mm-hmm. um even though they're limited they don't have a lot on there sure. but the stuff that they have on there is quality for the mm-hmm. most part and they have like interesting like special features and things too like mm-hmm. so it's like one of the streaming it's like one of the few streamers that like allows you access to special features of the stuff that they have on the, on that's the, cool. the app. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause that's one of the things that like typically they don't have, right? Like you can't mm. hear a commentary or usually or behind the scenes or none of that shit, but they have that type of stuff on, cool. on the arrow app and um, shutters. Okay. I mean, yeah, we, we don't have that in Japan, so I've never checked it out, but I, yeah, I had to flick through it in Australia. And I'm like, yeah, it looks, looks all right. It's okay. But- it's okay. It's, it, it's oh, a, de- it's a decent, you know, like, horror specific mm. like but it's like most of the movies that are on there it's like you don't have like i've either already seen them or you don't have to point me in that direction like more you're gonna f- you know what i mean like i feel like shutter's a good a good site uh a good streamer for like people who don't really care to look you know what i mean where this is like i just want to watch some horror stuff yeah yeah you know go to shutter you know but like yeah like i'm i'm not big on um i know i know you've heard about the whole hbo max merging with discovery and all that shit right well like and then like movies disappearing and like they're not releasing that bat girl movie i mean cry me a river i don't really mm. don't care <laughs> but but you know like um but yeah like the hbo max thing is a good example of sort of like why people and i, I people are saying this now like they're like you should own physical media again but i'm like yeah you probably should because like at the end of the day, what happens when like they decide to take your movies off? Like, yeah, for sure. you know yeah, what I mean. So you know, I've got a whole bunch of stuff behind me. And my laptop's being propped up by a bunch of uh, <laughs> Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, have I got? beyond is propping it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm big on that. Like, I'm big on like you know having still having. Like even like yeah, sure you can download stuff. You can go to torrents, but like even that, it's like what happens when your hard drive breaks, or mm. you know like there's nothing like having the just the the disc. You know what I mean? Or the yeah. or the or the VHS, mm-hmm. or the whatever that you could just pop in. Like you know, I still have a VHS player. Like uh, yeah, I I'll do put- try to be like you know I used to be really nuts with like so much like physical media, but yeah, living in Japan, it's it is a bit hard to do that. So I have limited tried to space. Yeah. So like the things I really, you know, want to have um, 
I think the the one company I still like obsessively just buy everything they put out is is Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> I just love Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, like you never. I just love with Vinegar Syndrome. I never know what I'm gonna get putting the disc in. Yeah, you could I get some, com- buy everything. You could get so. some complete horrible horrible movie with like a beautiful 4k transfer yeah, yeah. and all kind of so, just like they 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 broke out not all the stops for this movie yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. even deserve it <laughs> I, I just yeah. love that yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty i do kind of like that i don't lie it's like yeah i love that they put all this effort into this movie that mm-hmm. should that shouldn't even have you, you, you debate that it should even be on a disc at all what's this is one that that blew my mind like I'm a huge Andy Milligan fan. He's like one of my favorite directors. And Severin just put out like this unbelievable set. I see just, like, that whole thing. Set. That whole thing is on. Uh, I believe it's on Arrow. The really, whole, the Milligan. Oh, the, the whole thing they have it on Arrow. The it's streaming just, site. Yeah. I just can't believe that this exists. <laughs> Think how I used to like the terrible quality I used to watch his, his films in to now have like this beautiful Blu-ray set, as you say, like pristine. 4k prints <laughs> so it's outrageous it really what a ridiculous is. world we live in it really is like <laughs> it, it really is very it's very like uh niche and like yeah like it's very or, it's very decadent right it really it really <laughs> is it really is it's like you know some of these, <laughs> like some of these movies are so, so absurd like yeah. uh they're like why why is there a blu-ray for bat pussy like why <laughs> like, i love it like, i'm why? so glad <laughs> like you know what i mean like i'm glad this thing exists but like why yeah, yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and then you wonder like how much money they're making off of that too you're like okay like yeah, i like, do wonder. <laughs> i mean i guess though like they are sort of a boutique label so like you said like people mm. like yourself are like well you know like i mean i fall into this category like i will buy pretty much a lot of vinegar syndrome shit i like i like it like mm. i think like like they just have a certain sort of like niche market that they cater mm. to which is like yeah i'm just gonna buy whatever they put out because it's like like a blind mm. bo- like a blind box or some shit like just yeah, whatever yeah. i don't care it's, it's gonna be interesting like i guess if you have that sort of cultivate that sort of customer base mm. you can thrive yeah, and exist off of that i guess <laughs> definitely done a really good job of of like yeah collecting a very dedicated customer base i think because <laughs> I, I yeah i was like with vinegar syndrome from that first kickstarter because i love herschel gordon um lewis yeah and uh they released his like lost films and it was it was so exciting <laughs> to, to be able to see those yeah, yeah so awesome. something weird those old something weird discs oh, are... wow, something weird <laughs> much. i was looking through all my something weird dvds back in australia i'm like oh man i like i, I want to take these back and rewatch them but don't have the space <laughs> yeah yeah that's one thing about living i guess in japan like i guess you mm, can't really very limited. limited yeah. space right i mean yeah. i guess it's a good thing though right i mean it's good it kind of controls you a bit more although i am kind of surrounded by crap everywhere as i say that uh, <laughs> i mean like it's interesting because like i've scaled back like like yeah i have books and shit and like i have movies but like i've scaled back immensely and mm. even i still have shit but mm-hmm. but I don't live in Japan, so I live in yeah, America, yeah. the capital of decadence. So it's like, yeah. you know, this is where the show hoarders like exist because of this country. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. You would just walk into people's house and you just have all kind of unnecessary shit, like just sure, sure. a whole garage <laughs> full of shit. Like you don't need any of it. You don't even look at it. You know, um, that's 
part of, I guess, the American ethos or some shit. Just for sure, for sure. have as much as possible. Doesn't matter. Waste be wasteful. Um, <laughs> which is why you know we're gonna destroy the planet. But <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that's just it's interesting. Um, I don't know, man. I've got so much shit that's digital now, though. That it really mm-hmm. sort of. I don't know. Like I have a interest. Like I, I on one on one hand, I'm like yes it's safe space yes it's it makes sense but also on the other hand it's like do i really have it you mm. know what i mean if yeah, it's yeah. digital do i really have it you know what mm. i mean mm. it's like it doesn't quite have the same sense of like ownership mm. does it right it's like it's not tangible right and i'm like yeah. trying to like break myself of that but I, but i don't completely 100 percent. i'm not i used to be and i guess this is a stage like i feel like people go through stages in life right where they're like I think I was one of those people who was like seriously considering this idea of, you know, having sort of a minimalist lifestyle, right? Mm. Or I was just like, you know, just want to have as little own as little things as possible, right? Um, And I get the appeal, uh, but at a certain point, I was really like, how much of this is like me sort of like, being sold an idea um, under capitalism to accept right. to accept sort of like a shitty existence. You know what I mean? Like, like I kind of started to think about that where I'm like, they're telling you to have like a small house. They're telling you to, to have minimal items. They're telling you to have less, 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 less. And at a certain point, I'm like, I don't know about this. I don't know if I'm kind of being duped like into like, because this seems kind of shitty. You know what yeah. I mean? And then, like, at a certain point, I was like, yeah, I'm not big on this minimalist lifestyle. I'm, I'm, I'm all about, like, everything is, you know, everything is good, I guess, in, in, in moderation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. excess, too, you know, there's, there's always a problem in, like, too much excess, as well as, like, not having enough. So it's like, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a middle ground there that I feel like is, is good. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and I've been, since, since then I've sort of been operating from that. Like, yeah. Yeah. I've tried to do that to an extent as well. Just like not go, just, just thinking twice before I, I get something a bit, a bit more and just try to sa- save a bit more as well. Yeah. Hey, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I have a Japanese lesson in five minutes. So okay, <laughs> I so have to wrap it up. Okay, so to wrap it up, here's what I'll do. Um, I'm I wanted to start doing this, and I haven't been doing this on any episode, so I'll start with you. So I I want to ask like my guest. I like to start asking my guests sort of like to sort of recommend sort of a few things that they that they've liked recently. It could be movie it could be a book it could be any kind of art um because i feel like that just is part of what this podcast is so it's like i want to end with sort of that kind of moving forward so dave what do you what have you seen or is there anything you've been reading is there anything you've been watching um that you uh would recommend Mm. oh so many so many choices does it have to be saying recently no no it could just I be- don't, yeah i think just picking up that andy milligan set before <laughs> made me think of uh, a book actually not not a film but 
one of the best books I've ever read about filmmaking, uh, which is a book called The Ghastly One, uh, The Sex God Netherworld of Filmmaker Andy Milligan. <laughs> and it's written by uh, Jimmy McDonoghue. And it's it basically just follows Andy Milligan's life. And um, even if you don't know who Andy Milligan is, it's <laughs> unbelievably entertaining very dark in a lot of ways but just uh an incredible kind of um yeah it just captures the character of annie milligan so perfectly and then it's one of those things where you read this book and then it adds to the experience of watching his films because you have like this extra layer like knowing about what what he was like that kind of adds a spice to his films that is uh is amazing so yeah that, that's like one of my favorite books of all time um one of the few books i've like gone back and actually reread uh just because it, it's so amazing so yeah that would be my recommendation <laughs> awesome the ghastly one okay yeah, yeah yeah i'm familiar with that i haven't read it but i'm, I'm familiar oh, that's with amazing it. yeah I, yeah <laughs> to add that dope so yeah so people check out the ghastly one go pick it up <laughs> Um, and, and go watch Cat, Cat Sick Blues. Uh, it's available, I believe, on Amazon. I think. Yeah, in, in America, it, it's um, yeah, it's got a DVD, and then yeah, it might be something else coming out soon as well. I'm surprised it's not on Tubi, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tubi has Maybe. everything. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but but thanks again, Dave. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, from 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 one Jackson to another. Um, <laughs> we might be cousins or something in some way. Uh, but yeah, it was good to talk to you, even though, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting being that you're in the future. I mean, literally yeah. in the future, because yeah. you're like literally. Well, I mean, I guess now it's half it's, a day ahead. Yeah, you're yeah. like half a day ahead of me. So, yeah. So, yeah, but man, I appreciate it, man. Um, and yeah, um, as always, I don't know how to end podcasts, so I just end them. So. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Cheers. Yeah.